Hey everybody, welcome to the Good Lion Podcast. I'm Aaron Salvato. And I'm Brian Higgins. Oh, Brian Higgins. It's so good. It's so good to have Brian Higgins on the show and me on the show. The last two episodes, it was just just you and then just me. That was sad, man. I know. I felt really alone. Yeah. And I felt like, I don't know if you noticed, but in the episode, I felt like I talked a lot slower (laughs) because I realized it's been a while since I've strung that many words together in a row. Yeah. And I kind of kept waiting for like, when is the moment going to (laughs) come where I can run out of ideas and Aaron can present an idea and I realized it wasn't going to come. That's why my episode was like 25 minutes. Yep. You were completely free of me for for better or for worse. I I actually did the same thing. When I was recording, I was like, I've got to be able to have some spaces between the words. And so in my own insecurity, I threw a little reverb on mine. Listeners, you may have noticed I was kind of mimicking the vibe you'd get from a sermon. There was keyboard pads in the background and and reverb. But for me, like that is, I'm more comfortable talking free form in that kind of environment because that's what I'm used to. I'm the pastor. So I'm used to standing on a stage with a mic and having someone on the keyboard behind me playing lightly and then I talk. So yeah, it was, it was definitely me tapping into that security blanket. You just had to be your own keyboards this time. Yeah, that was actually me uh, on the keyboard the entire time. I was no. Yeah. No. You were playing while you were also talking. I, I wasn't, I wish I was that good. Actually, I mean, I can could you be. please, can you please write a self-help book <laughs> called be your own keyboard, <laughs> the art of supporting yourself by Aaron Salvato. Well, true story. I played the guitar in a music video for a yes. puppetry production company on YouTube. Back Every in word is making the sentence better. It's great. I'll send it to you. It's uh, ridiculous. But yeah, no, it is. It is good to have Brian back on the show. It is good to have me back on the show. It's good to have us back on <laughs> the show. That sounds so good when you say that about you. It, it really does. Uh, I'm so glad I'm back. Obviously, you're listening. You can tell this is going to be a looser episode. We okay. Let's let's tell them what happened. So we before we put out the last two, got together and recorded an episode about all of our anxieties about the election. And it kind of felt like now that I think about it, you and I kind of had two different ideas about what that episode should be. I think you were more focused on what was the title of yours? What did you end up doing? Mine was about living like Jesus Mm -hmm. in the middle of the election season. Yes. So I really focused on what can we practically do and really try to just talk about the idea that we've got all this fighting. We've Mm -hmm. got all this drama. No one's really listening to anyone. Mm. And when we look at Jesus, he was the best example of listening and loving and being caring and compassionate in a chaotic world. Mm. So how could we mimic that in a really chaotic moment? I love that. Like the the focus on Christ likeness and how to, in a moment where everything is anxious, live as like that non-anxious presence. And I think for me, my angle that was kind of on my heart is the idea of no matter who wins, Jesus is king. And what does that look like to live like if Jesus mm-hmm. is actually king? What does that mean for issues like abortion or immigration or whatever you're stressed about right now, whether you're on the left or the right. So when, when you and I tried to record that together, we kind of had an outline, but it just felt like it kept going in different directions. And we, at the end of the recording, we, we recorded about 45 minutes 
And I remember we were both just like, not frustrated at each other, but just frustrated that usually when we sit down to record, it feels like we hit all our marks and we come away and we're like, this was something that we wanted to make and we made it. And I think both of us were just like, I don't even know where we are. Like the road, Yeah, it it felt like we, we had a roadmap and then it blew out the window and it's like, yeah, we didn't even know where we were. And then we just kind of guessed. And and I do think that it, it was revealing about something that feels like it's happening right now. I feel like when you have an unscripted political conversation, which is (laughs) really just like real life, like most of your conversations probably aren't scripted. It's really easy for everyone to devolve into rambling. So I feel like I had an idea and then I slowly went down the path towards rambling. And then you had an idea and you slowly went down a different path towards rambling. And I remember my favorite part of that whole first recording session we did. I know that you guys didn't get to hear it, but you're hearing the story right now. Maybe we'll put it out in part at some point, but we're, we're just telling you right now what it was. There was a moment where we both paused for a while <laughs> yeah, and we didn't know what was going on. And I think you asked me, what do you think? <laughs> and I think my response was, I don't think this is good. <laughs> yeah. And then we knew we needed to do something different. So that's how you got yep. the last two episodes that well, you got, which hopefully were an encouragement and were a help, you know, weird moment. It wasn't just that, too. So we actually what we planned to do was salvage it. We were like, let's find a way to basically take because we for those of you guys who don't know, we 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 record and then we run our recording through a transcript program and then we actually edit the transcript. We're revealing the secrets of the show. But so we were thinking, like, maybe we can read this massive word salad and find ways to write new material around it. And so we were going to go back and record like another episode and splice the two together to make it make sense. But then I got hit with uh, the Oklahoma ice storm of 2020. Like mm-hmm. if I can just, I, I briefly mentioned it on the last episode and you mentioned it too. I would like to just take a minute to describe the ice storm. Please um, do. Imagine if Mr. Freeze from the Batman series built a nuclear bomb and then dropped it on your state. That is what happened, basically, for like several days. It was just like everything was frozen. Everything and everyone and their grandma was frozen. I couldn't open my trash can. I couldn't open my mailbox. Every step was perilous, like you could slip and die. Three branches were basically crumbling and falling off beautiful gorgeous trees were splitting in half and just branches were crashing into people's houses breaking their windows and the power was off for like almost two weeks so it was it was ice apocalypse and it was the worst would you describe this ice storm which by the way ice apocalypse fantastic name <laughs> would you put ice apocalypse in one of the five worst things that happened to you this year <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. It was bad. Which is I mean, a high bar given what this year has been. It was bad. I mean, I, I currently work three jobs. I mean, essentially I'm self-employed, so I run my own little business, but I I have three clients and three three consistent clients. And one of them is Calvary Global Network. And that's part of my job here running the podcast network. But I have other responsibilities too. And it's so hard to do your job with no power. I I feel like me and Brooklyn spent the entire week driving back and forth to find any coffee shop that had power or decent internet. Most internet wasn't decent. It was spotty. So it's like you're driving around frozen wastelands looking for coffee shops so you can spend like one to two hours working on dial-up internet. 
before then you have to drive back to your mm. in-laws house to shower and like then go back to your house to sleep in freezing cold weather. And we couldn't watch any TV. That was just, I mean, I hate to be a wimp, but like I love watching <laughs> TV with my wife. I wanted That's to know what was going on with This Is Us. Up. And I mean, yeah, it was just, it was so dumb. Well, I'm glad your power is back. First I'm world problem. the ice is gone. <laughs> we survived. So you did it. Yeah. You we, made it, buddy. We did it. And now we're back. It's good to I'm, have you back. I'm glad to have you here. You are one of my favorite people. Last week was depressing not getting to talk to you. I don't, I, I'm not afraid to admit this to the audience. You are one of my favorite people. And, you know, if I choose to put sentimental piano music behind me right now while I'm talking about you, Brian, that's just my choice. I'm going to do it. You can't stop me, okay? We should just do 10 minutes in the episode of us just self affirmations, complimenting each other. <laughs> I like your beard, Brian. I like your eyes. They sparkle. They... You can only compliment with an accent? Yeah. It, yeah. It, so it's not genuine. I like it. But, okay. Let's get on with the episode. So for the last two episodes, we've been talking very big picture. How do we think about the world? How do we think about our moment, particularly in America? How do we think about the things that are going on hmm. in our country? And lots of people are asking really big picture questions like, what does this mean for America? Yeah. And how long should it take to count a vote? <laughs> and how should Christians respond to all of the happenings in our culture and I know for me, that's just getting super overwhelming. It's really overwhelming. I mean, I feel like for everybody, no matter where you land, there's so much uncertainty and unknowing and, and stress and anxiety. I've been really guilty lately of the whole, the whole doom scrolling thing. Can mm -hmm. you explain the term doom scrolling to those in our audience who don't know what it means? Doom scrolling is the only thing that you've done on your phone for the last three days. <laughs> It is when you know that your phone will only show you bad news, <laughs> but rather than saying, I know the news and I'm moving on, you dive deeper and deeper and scroll into your doom. So like all those corners of the internet that you've told yourself, they're the dark corners and I don't want to go near there. Have you found yourself clicking on more of those things? Of course you have, because you're doom scrolling. Yeah, my doom scrolling regiment. Is regiment the right word? Regiment? Routine? Regimen? I don't know what that is, but okay. My, my doom scrolling routine is I go on Facebook to see all my conservative friends be really, really angry and frustrated. And then I go on Twitter nice. to see all my more left-wing friends be really, really angry and frustrated. And then I go on That's Instagram so nice. to see Gen Z and millennials basically sharing memes to cope with the situation. It's kind of like, we're all going to die. Let's laugh about it for a second. So that's, <laughs> that's kind of where we're at. And you know, like my, my thing right now, honestly, I, I mean, dude, I get anxiety sometimes, not a ton, but occasionally like the other day I had chest pains that only happens when I'm really, really, really stressed. And my stress, I mentioned this a little bit on the episode I did, but I'm an Enneagram too. I love I love uh, talking about being an Enneagram too, but no, I'm Brian's a three. So we need to do an episode. Just diving into Let's that. Let's never explain what that means. It's relevant. But anyway, Enneagram two, which means I am a helper. I like to help people. 
I love when people are unified. I love when people are being their best self and just working for the kingdom and for each other. And when I see people fighting and divided, it freak, it just, it bums me out. It discourages me. Some people can handle division and they're just like, yeah, like people who disagree with me can just die in a ditch. Like whatever. That's not, <laughs> that's not how I'm we wired. We don't recommend that that's what you become. No, I, I never will. The way I'm wired is like when I see people fighting, I'm like, I want to fix this fight. I want to step in between and help people see each other's perspectives. So when I feel like I can't, and when it's like, there's so much of that going on, I'm like, I can't, I can't solve this problem with love. <laughs> if I was a superhero, I'd probably be a Care Bear, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I can see uh, that. Part Batman and, and part Care Bear. So anyway. A Care Bear with the Christian Bale Batman voice. There you go. Where is the rainbows? <laughs> Where is the candy cane kingdom? I don't even know. It's been so long since I've watched Care Bears that I don't even know. It. I know they had rainbows, but I don't know about a candy cane kingdom. They sounded like they'd be there. Where are the other drugs going? Harvey Dent. Can we trust him? That's my. I had uh, a little Homer in there. No, that was uh, my. That was my impression of Pete Holmes as Batman from College Humor. But anyway, okay. What was I saying? This is this is what this episode is going to be like, people. It's going to be a little all Care over Bears, a little all over the place, but. Anyway, I had chest pains and anxiety. Care Bears were the main point. It wasn't that I was like, I want this guy to win or that guy to win. And if he doesn't, I'm going to be anxious. It was more like, I just don't want to see this division. So yeah, that's where I was. Where were you? Yeah, I am blown away at how we can't even agree on what the facts are. Yes, that's hard. Like that to me is the crazy thing. And so, so my doom scrolling took this kind of path, I suppose. Normally, I will scroll through Facebook and I will see something that is pretty clearly, just from the surface of it, a <laughs> conspiracy theory or a lie. Yeah. And normally, I look at that and I go, that's sad that they think that. And right. I move on. You don't feel compelled to like jump in the comments and be like, well, actually... Yeah, I don't feel like I want to be part of the conversation. I don't even feel like I need to click on it to see how baseless it is. Yeah. And so what I found myself doing is seeing all of those things and then researching all of the fact checkers that have proven <laughs> those things wrong. But then I never actually want to be part of the comment war. So I just see all these people posting the conspiracy stuff and I've found these answers, quote unquote, to those conspiracy moments. And I just have to see all the people that are posting it, even though I know I'm not actually going to go get in the fight because I feel like that's the moment where I've gone too far. So yeah. I'm just really judging people for hmm. posting things where it's like, oh, your source was a guy's tweet. Like, maybe you should have a better source for that. I don't know. So I, I'm 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 stressing out from my heart breaking over the division of people. And you're stressing out from how much you're having to judge other people's ignorance. That's a pretty good summary of who we are as people. That's that's who we are. But that's why we work together. I never said that this was going to be good. I'm just telling you where I'm at. That's no, I, I get it. Like, honestly, I, I my wife and I've had similar frustrations. I'm frustrated by disinformation. I am frustrated by people spreading conspiracy theories. I am also disappointed and a little scared that we we seem to live right now in an age of postmodernism to the point where like I've been researching the idea of postmodernism and a part of it is basically this idea that people get to define their own truth 
And so it's like there there is no objective truth. Truth is whatever you and your side and the people who think like you want it to be. And so what I'm seeing is like from everything going back to COVID and just the election and just so many things going on right now, it feels like everyone is saying, oh, that expert said that, but we have an expert over here who says something different and you should Mm -hmm. listen to that. And it's just this constant war of like, oh, you think that's the information? You're such a sheep, man. You're believing their propaganda, but both sides Mm -hmm. are saying it. You know what I mean? Like everyone is saying Truth is how my group interprets the world. Yeah. And and like, let's be honest, as Christians, we've always been kind of a part of that because everybody is saying like, this is how the world came to be. And this is what life is. And we're like, well, no, actually there's a God and his son died for you and there's angels. And so like, we've always kind of been a part of that. If like, I think we need to own that. Like we, we always have had our own alternative uh, facts, but the sheer amount of just how much no one can agree on anything right now. And also I feel like so many times people are posturing themselves as being experts. Like, and I'm talking about everybody, like, you know, your, your friend's sister's aunt is on Instagram acting like she's an expert on COVID or yeah. She's uh, like, I met a nurse once. So let me tell you about how. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone is doing it. And for me, like, I don't feel called to act like an expert on things that I'm not. I get theology. I understand the kingdom. That's the stuff I feel good about talking about. The other stuff I'm like, well, I can guess, but like I'm stressed out because I don't know Mm -hmm. how this is going to end, you know? Yeah. And all of that feeling, all of this, what on earth is happening? How is this going to play out? Are you teeing up to a segue? Yeah. You're the segue master. I'm I'm revealing your tricks. I was really happy with this segue. I too. could tell in the tone of your voice. I'm like, this is a segue. We've, we've been yeah, focusing on totally this section was. too long. Brian is about to hit you with the best segue of all time. Here we go. <laughs> so with all. <laughs> are we, I was going to get through it. Are too we allowed to be left. goofy like this on this episode or no? don't don't cut any of this. OK. With all of that tension, with all of that stress, with all of this, how is this going to play out? I know that like my week has been totally upended Mm. by how the election is going and how most more so how the conversation about the election is going. So what we want to talk about today is rather than letting ourselves be formed as people by the election, Mm. rather than being passive recipients of the way that this election conversation is shaping the country and shaping individuals, We want to really focus on the idea that as followers of Jesus, our goal is to let Jesus shape us, not the pressures of life. Yeah. So what we wanted to do was just talk through some really practical ways we can stay centered on Jesus in a moment where culture is doing everything it can to push us off center. Yes. We could spend the entire episode just rambling like we did on that recording we ditched and we didn't show you guys. What did... What did you think of that segue? It was a, it was a beautiful, beautiful segue. Yeah. Are you proud of me? Yeah. I think, (laughs) I think I was just trying to do a piggyback segue on the back of your segue to get to the next thing. But now you've cut me off the way I cut you off. So was it revenge, Brian? Is that what it was? I did. I did recognize that you were going to double segue. (laughs) I've noticed this year. You guys are really hearing everything that's going on. Mm. I've noticed that. I can close segments like I'll say things where it's like I am closing this segment. Yeah. And you'll do a double close. I <laughs> and it's pretty great. I enjoy it. I uh, I am guilty of that sometimes. It's like 
yeah, that was a good, that was a good closer. But what if I could add something to it? Yeah, brevity is not my strong point. But what I was going to say in my double closer was we could could spend this entire episode just rambling about the different nuances of all the different politics and all the different implications of the politics and all of that stuff. And those are conversations that deserve to be had. But Brian had the brilliant idea of making this episode really practical. And I fully agree with him. I think right now, a lot of people are asking, like, what do I, what can I do? I feel helpless. How can I actually be an impactful person in the world right now? And I think for a lot of us, we feel like the only way we can make an impact is sharing crazy memes or trying to prove our point or just rage against the machine or whatever. But I think, Brian, what you've laid out here in the outline is really good. So I think let's, let's jump into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, man. What is the first practical way? You came up with this one. What's what's the first practical way we can let Jesus shape us right now? The first practical way that we can let Jesus shape us is we can commit ourselves to Bible reading. That sounds super cliche. <laughs> it really does. I know. It sounds incredibly simple, <laughs> but it's one of the things I haven't really heard a lot of people say right now. That's very true. I don't see anyone posting like, hey, read your Bible. <laughs> it's helpful. <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, I mean, I, I, if you're listening and you're like, oh, I'm going to totally post that right now. Like, go for it. That's cool. Like, I mean, maybe put some other sentences around it. But everyone's talking about you got to vote. I mean, hopefully at this point that that's already in the past, but like we were hearing all the time, every time you'd go on social media, you'd see something about like, find your polling place, Mm -hmm. make sure you've registered all that. Christians would talk about go vote your conscience, or they would talk about pray for the country. Yep. All those things are great. Yeah. However, I know with this big influx of news, it's been really easy to feel like I need to be on my phone or at my TV or on my computer 24-7 so that I don't miss what's going on. Hmm. And when we do that, we end up leaving our Bible on the side and we stop letting that shape us. Hmm. And instead, we end up being more shaped Hmm. by whatever media we're consuming. Okay, let's let's like just role play for a second. Brian and I, we both used to be youth pastors. Brian, you be youth pastor, Brian. Tap back into that okay. well. I'm going to be a youth named Devin. Okay, here we go. This is Devin. Okay, Devin. I'm going to challenge I'm going to I'm going to challenge some of this, okay? I got to get into I got to get into the Devin zone. Hold on. Here we go. <clears throat> but Pastor Brian, when I read the Bible, it doesn't tell me anything about the election. It's just a book. Stuff that happened in the past, man. Well, Devin, first of all, I'm really glad that your Californian family moved to central New Jersey. It's been great getting to know you over the last... It's so cold here, Brian. It really is. You're not wrong. I know. That's why most of us are a little chunkier. That's how we get through the winter. I miss the beach and my friends, Brian. We have beaches too, Devin. Dang it. (laughs) They're they're just different, but you can still go to the beach, Devin, if that's your problem. Answer my question, Brian. Okay, Devin. I know that... (laughs) That was good. I get that when you're reading through the Bible, you're not necessarily going to find one verse that's going to tell you how you respond to elections or how you respond to this particular moment. The problem is that we look to the Bible saying, show me the verse that fixes my situation. 
Instead, what God wants to do with the Bible is invite us into a whole new way of living. The Bible is not about fixing your problem right now. It's about realigning you to a whole different way to live. Hmm. Oh, wait, I'm still Devin. I got to get back. I didn't know if Devin was coming back. (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm affirming what you're saying, but Devin's not. Devin, come back over here, Devin. Okay, I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. But Pastor Brian... (laughs) <laughs> great mic skill by the way I to make like it sound like Devin was walking back that was really oh yeah. good oh yeah but Devin Devin sounds like he just aged I did Molder now <laughs> just went through puberty deal with it okay alright Pastor Brian you, you picked the least New Jersey name by the way well it's a super, it became it's really clear how different our youth pastor experience was this is Devin I was just hanging out with my friend Kyle and his friend Chase and his other friend Chad and me, we were all, we were all talking about how we feel like right now we got to use our voice and, you know, just rage against the machine, man. And, you know, reading the Bible doesn't help with that. You know, we, we got, we can't waste time reading the Bible, right? How's that going to make a difference, Brian? Well, Devin, I feel like you're really trying to make me, this is to Aaron, this is to the man behind Devin. It really feels like you're just trying to turn me into like the high school movie guidance counselor. That's like, well, kids. Yeah. I know that you've got all of this rage in you. That's been my plan this whole time. Constructive outlets. That's why I brought you on this podcast was to turn you into a high school guidance counselor. So that was always the goal from the beginning. Yeah. But I mean, do you get what? what Devin is saying. I think Devin does have a fair question. Thank you for acknowledging that. You're welcome, Devin. The, the issue with Devin's question is that it assumes that what God wants to do is fix political problems. So I get the whole idea, like, sure. If we read our Bibles, what's that going to do for the election? Probably nothing, but what it is going to accomplish is it's going to turn you slowly into a new kind of person Mm. that lives life submitted to Jesus as king Mm. more than to anyone else as leader. Yeah. The Bible is about reorienting us to a different true north. Mm. And if we're so busy trying to fight the east west battles here on earth, we're never going to arrive at North. Hmm. Ooh, dang. That, that's a, that's a tweet right there. That's good. That was definitely like a, a that's a youth group way of, of saying that. I thought it was pretty good. I'm going to leave Thanks, now. Thanks, Devin. Yeah, get out okay, of here, Devin. See you later, Devin. Okay, bye. Gonna Have go, fun with Chad. Gonna go play Xbox. Yeah, I, I thought that was good. I think, I think I would clarify Jesus does want to fix political problems. I always say that I, you know, Jesus isn't political. Evan Wickham has been the guy to correct me on that and bring me back to like, no, he's super political, but he's, he's just not left, right political. He's the politics of God is its own thing. The kingdom of God has its own Mm -hmm. politics. So like the problems of the world that we deal with, the things that cause people suffering, those are political problems. Jesus does want to fix those. And that's, that is the goal of like the new heaven and the new earth. There's going to be no more war, no more pain, no more suffering, no more hunger, all this stuff that affects us right now. It's like, we're not going to get there through the left or the right ever. (laughs) Yeah. There is no matter who wins, somebody will be upset 
and someone will be suffering. That is the reality in America and every other country. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like the the goal yeah. is exactly what Brian is saying to Devin and to all of us, really. And in a way, we are all Devin. What Brian is saying to us is that by reading scripture, we become more aligned with Jesus and who he is and his politics and what he's about and what he's doing. And that taps back into what I was saying in the episode I recorded. If Jesus is king, that changes everything. If we all live like Jesus is king, no matter what our political leanings, we're going to be helping the least of these. We're going to be loving the least of these. We're going to be serving. The, the church is God's instrument in the world to make change. Yes, politics, earthly politics does make change. Yes, it's important. Yes, no matter who's elected, there's going to be good and bad consequences, but it's not the be all end all. And so, yeah, we're get we're, I'm rambling into politics again. Let me bring it back to the Bible reading. I agree with you, man. Like reading the Bible reorients us to God and his heart and who he is. And here's specifically what I would want to bring up about Bible reading, because I'm confident that there are many that listen where they haven't deliberately chosen to put the Bible down, or maybe they've even still picked up the Bible and done some reading of it. I know for me, I have been reading my Bible, but I've been reading it with my phone right next to me. (laughs) Yeah, I've been reading it ready to be interrupted by something going on in the news. I've been reading it where half of my mind is on the Bible and on learning from it. (laughs) And half of my mind is on what's going on in the world. Hmm. What I'm really trying to encourage you towards when it comes to focus on reading your Bible is give yourself time where you are genuinely focused on reading your Bible. Go put your phone in a different room. Go make sure Every notification is far away. It's going to be fine if you miss a notification for half an hour. Yeah. If it means you're really focused on hearing from Jesus through the Bible. Yeah. And I know we sound super youth pastory right now, but I mean, it, it really, it, it makes sense. The principle makes sense. When, when you and I record these podcasts, my notifications are off. My phone is on silent. Like I'm trying to stay engaged in this conversation, not just for the sake of the audience, but like for the sake of our friendship. I'd love having these chats with you. I think it's important. Same thing in marriage. Like my wife hates it when I'm checking her phone or <laughs> yeah, she hates when I check her <laughs> phone too. But when I'm checking my phone in the middle of a conversation with her, it's like the, she, she just, ah, oh, it bothers her and it, it, it's hurtful. Um, yeah. And I get that. Yeah. And so I, I think honestly, dude, for me, this is just what I'm probably going to do, but I think I need to switch to a non-digital Bible for a while, either mm. like an audio Bible where it's in my pocket and I'm taking a walk around the neighborhood and I'm not checking my phone or like maybe leave my phone inside and go sit outside with like a physical Bible. Cause I, I do the digital thing a lot because it's easy mm-hmm. and it's convenient, but yeah, dude, the notifications, like they're so distracting. I think another thing to consider is the reason Bible reading is important is we need to remember what the purpose of Bible reading is. Most of us, myself and Brian included, grew up in the church where a lot of times it can kind of be passed down like reading the Bible is how to be a Christian. And it's like, if you're not reading the Bible, you're not being Christian and God Mm -hmm. judges you by how much Bible you read in the week, which isn't the case. The purpose of the Bible, like when, when when I understood the purpose of Bible reading, it shifted for me how I read it and how I felt about it. And it's been so much better. Like I I used to think it was this magic book that gave me specific answers to what I was dealing with. Did you ever do that? Like you, 
I, I would be struggling with something as a teenager and I'd open up the Bible and I would expect to like get something like some nugget where it was like, this is the thing for you about that crush you got on that girl or that so math test you're dealing with. And uh, so Devin was inside you all along. <laughs> Indeed. That yeah. was a genuine you. Do you call the younger version of you Devin? I was always there. Devin's back. Get out of here, Devin. My inner child apparently has manifested on this podcast. And is named Devin. <laughs> My inner angsty teen. But yeah. Love it. Yeah. So like, yes, I, I did that same thing. Yeah. Magic eight ball Bible. And then like you would read and you wouldn't get anything super special or specific and it would just be like something dry and you'd be like, oh my gosh, my spiritual life is suffering. <laughs> I need to read more. And then I'll, it, it, that, it was just this endless cycle. For me now, I understand the reason that I read the Bible is because this is Jesus's story of who he is, what he's done and what he is doing. And I read it to help understand that story. And I read it because God speaks directly to me through that story. Sometimes like he reminds me of his plan and his purpose. Sometimes he reminds me of his character. And it's like reading this love letter where God is describing himself. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm learning about who God is. And it's making me feel closer to him because I'm learning about God and Jesus. Other times you're reminded of your own place in the story. You're reading the scripture and it's like, this is where I fit. This is what I'm called to do. This is what it means to be a Christ follower. Other times you're getting strategy on how to fight the spiritual battle and warnings against sin and traps by the enemy. And sometimes God does use it to speak directly to you in a situation. That totally happens, but it's not magic. It's just, it's just God's grace. But no matter what, it's always good. It can be dry sometimes, absolutely, but it's always good. So that's the first way that we can practically keep ourselves centered on Jesus in this really crazy time. The second way that we'd want to talk about, and this is also going to feel very youth pastory, make sure you're committed to praying, particularly for sustained periods of time. What does that mean? So this is a moment where a lot of Christians are talking about the idea of praying, particularly the idea of praying for the country. And the way that that normally works out, I feel, is you scroll past that post, you see that you should pray for the country, and maybe right in that moment you go, yeah, God, help America. And then you scroll right on. <laughs> and it just becomes one of the many thoughts that you have. The prayer doesn't count unless you salute a flag while you're praying that two-second prayer. That is true. It is. There's a verse for that. Aaron, Second, do you want to quote that verse? Second Opinions, chapter 4, mm. verse 6. Thou shalt saluteth the flag whilst thy pray daily. Great, great <laughs> quoting. That was a, it's an interesting translation you, you was, picked. But. I was trying to rhyme pray with day, but then I realized I needed the daily on the end there. So You needed a couple extra letters. There we go. Sad. Either way, what I want to encourage you to do is spend chunks of time praying. I don't want to put like a timer on this. Like I, I don't think that there's... It's not that your prayer doesn't count if it's not for a specific period of time. But one of the things that I have found to be really helpful is if I'm only praying for a few minutes, I never really get out of thinking about my day and mm. into just being all in on prayer. Mm. Whereas when I have a good chunk of time, like at least 10 minutes of time where I can just be all in on praying, 
I find that a lot of the background noise of my mind quiets down in that time, yeah. which makes it a lot easier to be honest with God and to hear from God. So a lot of people are struggling right now with anxiety. What's a good mm-hmm. strategy for prayer through that? Yeah, I think this is probably going to make you feel super weird if you actually go do it, but it is highly, highly recommended by me and probably by other people. Like other people have once told me about this. I just forget who they are. Maybe even me. Time will tell. Time will tell. Yeah. I have to hear you recommend it before I can say if I recommend it or not, but I usually agree with you on most things. I would recommend pray out loud, specifically things that are true about God. Hmm. So out loud, thank him for the kind of God he is. Hmm. Thank him for the fact that he's in control. Hmm. Remind yourself that he is loving. Remember out loud that he sent Jesus to save the world from its sin, that he sees you in this moment and that this chaotic situation that's happening is not the end result of God's plan. Like you will feel really, really weird beginning to pray out loud, especially if you're by yourself. I mean, probably you'll feel weirder if you're like in a public mall or something like that, (laughs) but COVID, so you can't even be in public. So don't worry about that. But even on your own, you're going to feel like I should just be doing this in my head. Like I should just stay quiet because I feel like a crazy person talking on my own. I really do think there's something calming, something powerful, something something focusing Hmm. that happens when you're praying out loud, specifically these things that are true about God. You know, I actually believe it or not, I agree with Brian. What a shocker. (laughs) But no, you're actually right. I I pray a lot in my head. The times that I do pray out loud, though, there's something about it that feels more tangible. Like it feels like a real conversation that is happening because you're kind of committing. You know what I mean? Like you're you're committing to the bit (laughs) by uh, praying out loud. And, you know, there's an element of what you're talking about. I agree with that is what some people call preaching to yourself, which I think is so important as a Mm -hmm. pastor, as a preacher. I recognize if I'm constantly preaching to people, but I'm not preaching to myself, it's easy for myself to forget the good things that God has done and his power and his ability. I can become a functional atheist if I'm having a month where my finances are looking bad or where the world seems like it's going to end because of ice apocalypse and the election. So Mm -hmm. yeah, pray out loud. I I like what we were talking about earlier about how right now there's the stress of people feeling like, there are enemies all around them, you know, and in the election season, it's like people are surrounded by so many enemies and you're seeing people on social media that you'd identify as an enemy because they think differently than you. And I think instead of praying against them, like, Lord, destroy them or Lord, force them to think the way I do. I think, you know, we like start praying for their good, start not for like their political destruction or undoing, but pray for their good, pray that they would know and experience Jesus. That's the thing that brings people to the truth is it's the experience and the knowledge of Jesus. And so that's the kind of prayer we need for our enemies is like really genuine, not like passive aggressive, like, Mm -hmm. Lord, I pray you'd bless that guy. Lord, I pray you'd show him the truth he needs to know. Mm -hmm. Really genuine. Give them what they deserve. Yeah. We need to really genuinely pray that our enemies would come to know Christ. Yeah. And that kind of prayer is going to help us see people the way that God wants us to see people. If we're only having 
politically charged conversations or if we're only having hot button issue conversations, we're going to learn to see people as either those that agree with us or those that don't. But when we're praying for people, Jesus never guides us towards identify people as those who agree with you and those who don't. He always says, identify them as people that need to be loved and shown grace. Mm. And so when we're praying for people, we train ourselves to see people through that lens instead of through a divisive lens. Mm. One great passage to look to for how we should think about prayer is Luke 18. And in Luke 18, there's this story that Jesus tells that has become really famous. It's very widely talked about and shared in church circles. He tells this story of two people going into the temple and praying. One of them is a religious leader and was really highly respected. And the other one was a tax collector, which was one of the most disgraceful jobs that you could hold back in that day. And today. And today. (laughs) Yeah, I guess... Sure. Yeah. I've never met anyone who was like, let me introduce you to my friend. He is one of the best people I know. He works for the IRS. I I mean, I just, I haven't seen that. Yeah. You, I mean, don't. What if there's someone listening and this is their favorite podcast and they work for the IRS and this was the only thing that gave them meaning in their life. And now they're just, I feel bad. I feel bad, Brian. Okay. But hold on because in the movie Dinner for Schmucks, Steve Carell's character and Zach Galifianakis's character both work for the IRS. Mm. And that was movie writers trying to think, what's a job that everyone knows is just kind of a <laughs> loser job? Uh, if you're, listen, if you're, if you, you work have for the a IRS. loser job, Devin from the IRS. <laughs> is that going to be my job when I grow up, Brian? Dang it, yeah. Brian. You're going to work for the IRS. Worst youth pastor. Dang it. I didn't I didn't go to the interview for you. You did that yourself. If you work for the IRS, we love you. Jesus loves you. So these two go into the temple and the religious leader is taking the prominent position, is praying out loud and is saying things like, Thank you, God, that you've made me this great person. I'm not like all those other sinful people. Which, side note, if you do take our advice for praying out loud, those are not things that you should be praying. (laughs) Back to the story. Go to the grocery store. Lord, I thank you. I'm so much better than all these jerks. Yeah, that would not be... I mean, if that's something that you're praying internally right now, that's also something that you should stop doing. But especially if you're thinking, like, it's time for me to bring this prayer on the road... That is not the one to begin with. You're like, merciful God, I'm so thankful I'm not Devin. Hey! I mean, we're, yeah, yeah, said it and meant it. So you have the religious leader doing that, and then you have the tax collector, where it it tells us that he doesn't even look up towards heaven. He's got his head down, he's beating his own chest, and all he's saying is, God, have mercy on me, a Mm. sinner. Mm. That's all that he's repeating. Just, God, have mercy on me. I know that I'm a nobody. I know that I'm a disgrace. I know that I have nothing good in me that should make you love me, but just have mercy on me. And Jesus looks at these two in the story and says, that one who was humble, that's the one that God hears. Mm. Prayer is not about us 
mustering up some kind of holy strength within us. Yeah. Prayer is about us admitting our weakness. Yeah. It's us saying, God, I can't fix this. I can't fix the world. I can't fix these people, but I trust you. Would you please do something to bring about the results that you want? Yeah, that's, that's good. That's really good. I, I, I feel like a lot of times on this show, it's not just us talking about what we think other people should know. A lot of times I'm, I'm hearing things and even saying things that I myself need to hear. If I can just confess, I have been not praying as much as I should. I have been doom scrolling more than praying. And my prayers have often been just very short and not very intentional. And I, I'm, I'm feeling convicted by what we're talking about. I think, I think, so there's a, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that really ties into what you're saying. He says this, for most of us, the prayer in Gethsemane is the only model. Removing mountains can wait. And Hmm. I just, when I read that today, that really resonated with me because a lot of times we think of prayer as like, I've got to pray these big, bold prayers to change the world. But look at Jesus, like this totally ties. This is the flip side of the coin of what you're talking about with the tax collector. Who's just like, he's coming to God in humility saying, I can't do this. Well, look, even Jesus did that. Like in the garden of Gethsemane, he was literally sweating drops of blood, having an anxiety attack saying, God, like, is there any other way? Like, I don't know if I can do this in this moment. He was coming to God, like humbling himself, which is crazy for Jesus to do. Like you would think of Jesus just to be like, yeah, I got this. Like I'm going to go die on the cross, whatever I'm God. But he, he, he was human as well. And he's, so he was showing us that humanity. And I, I just love that quote. Like sometimes removing mountains can wait because first we need to come to God and deal with our own insecurity, our own struggle. And we just need to lay it all out and say like, can't do this. Like, <laughs> I need you. I can't do this without you. Yeah, I think that's one of the beautiful things about those sustained times of prayer. Like, I know for me, when I first begin praying, I'm still pretty scripted and buttoned up. I still kind of know generally what I'm trying to say. I still have a way of making myself sound like a good person. It really takes me a little bit to reach the point where I'm like, yeah, but God, ultimately, I've got nothing. Like, if you don't turn things around, I'm I'm just totally doomed. And it's so important to get to that place in prayer. It just never happens quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm right there with you, man. I think an appropriate way to close this section would be, I'm going to read a, it's a long quote from Dallas Willard, but I think it's worth it. This is from his book, The Divine Conspiracy. He says this, Prayer, like all practices into which Jesus leads by word and example, will be self-validating to all who will simply pray as he says and not give up. It is much harder to learn if we succumb to the temptation to engage in heroic efforts in prayer. This is important. Heroism generally is totally out of place in the spiritual life until we grow to the point at which it would never be thought of as heroism anyway. There are, of course, people who pray heroically and they are to be respected for what God has called them to do. One thinks of people like Reese Howells or John praying Hyde. That was his nickname, but that is a special calling. And it's for very few of us to look to this calling as the ideal for our prayer life is only to assume a burden of uncalled for guilt. And quite surely it is to choose an approach that will lead to abandoning prayer as a realistic and pervasive aspect of life in the kingdom. There will be heroic periods as they may be called for, but with no intention to be heroic. 
always, we are simply children walking and talking with our father at hand. And then he closes with this. Accordingly, I believe the most adequate description of prayer is simply talking to God about what we are doing together. That immediately focuses the activity where we are, but at the same time drives the egotism out of it. Requests will naturally be made in the course of this conversational walk. Prayer is a matter of explicitly sharing with God my concerns about what he too is concerned about in my life. And of course he is concerned about my concerns and in particular that my concerns should coincide with his. That is our walk together and out of it, I pray. That's so good. I mean, that's just like, I hear that and I think like, oh my goodness, that's what I want. You right. know, like that's the kind of friendship that I want to have with God. And I know that it's very easy for me to feel like if that prayer didn't feel heroic, then did it matter? Right. And to be reminded, it's not about it feeling heroic. It's about, were you actually talking with God? Yeah. Like, a lot that's of, what matters. That's a lot of times so we, hear, we hear the term prayer warrior, but a lot of times I think mm-hmm. God just wants us to be prayer children, you know, yeah. like just talking to our dad. I mean, I, last so night good. I called, I called my dad and we just had a great phone talk and it was awesome. Like I wasn't expecting him to fix all my problems. I was telling him about my problems and you know, we were just talking about what was going on in the world. And, and I left that conversation being like, oh, my dad loves me and I love him and I feel better about things. And and I trust that he's doing good things in the world, you know, and, and I think mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like that's the relationship God wants for us. Like, of course, he's going to do great big things in the world, but we don't need to put the pressure on ourselves that our our prayers need to fix the problems of the world. God's looking ultimately for relationship and he wants us to be able to to vent, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. to, to lay it all out. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So the next practical tip for staying centered on Jesus during the craziness of the world right now, is just limit your screen time, just a little less screen time, you know, just, I mean, we're not trying to be, you know, screen Nazis, but like just a little less, just a little less. And I, I wonder maybe you may have heard that and thought, that's not a spiritual thing, but I would argue it 100% is, you know, our, our phones and our screens are built to shape us. Oh yeah. They're, they're built to change the way that we think about things. Can you know, I, people can wait, can I confess something really quick? Absolutely. I haven't done this once the entire episode while you were talking, I zoned out for a split second and I picked up my phone and looked at it. What perfect timing. <laughs> That really happened. so good. I was like, I know what he's going to say. I don't need to listen right now. And then I checked Instagram for just a minute. Oh, less screen time. And that's the thing. Our phones are making demands of us. Yeah. They're not just passive tools that we get to use the way that we want. I would highly recommend if you have not read John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, Mm. smash your phone right now so that you can't (laughs) listen to this podcast and then go read that book because it is so helpful in thinking through the way technology is changing the way we go about our relationship with Jesus. I need to finish that book. Here's one quote. You totally do. We're done recording. Go finish that book right now. We'll pick it up when you're done. I'm going to go read it with Devin. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Good Lion Podcast. (laughs) I just jumped (laughs) into an outro on my own. (laughs) 
No, okay. Like, here's the thing. To make you want to finish that book. Can I just do one quote from the book real quick? Yes, yes. To make you want to finish that book or to make you want to begin reading that book. Here's something that John Mark Comer brings up. John Mark, come on this podcast. Be our friend. Tell us about technology. We love you. Amen. He says this. A study found that just being in the same room as your phone even if your phone is turned off, will reduce your working memory and your problem-solving skills. Oh, my God. Translation, they make us dumber. As one report puts it, if you grow dependent on your smartphone, it will become a magical device that silently shouts your name at your brain at all times. It's so, it's so true. Like, do you, do you feel that, that shouting? Absolutely, at 100%. Times? Here's the thing that's hard for me. So I used to do a lot of ministry with people in person because I was a youth pastor at a local church. Since mm -hmm. I moved to Oklahoma, a lot of the ministry I do is online and it's through screens. Like I make podcasts, I write on social media. I post a lot of things that I'm posting for ministry purposes because I'm trying to reach people. And then I interact with people who respond and they're writing me and I'm writing them back. And I think of it as like a form of teaching and discipleship. But it's like, it's so easy to get distracted. I can't tell you how many times even today when I was trying to write the outline for this episode, I kept checking my messages because people were responding to what I was saying, which was good because I was interacting with them. But then I would like close down the message and I would get sucked into something else, a meme or some political situation. And it's like, it feels like trying to do stuff online. It Like if you're trying to do ministry online with your phone, it feels like you're trying to teach a Bible study or a class in the middle of Disneyland. And it's like, mm -hmm. you're like, here's a point. And then you're like, oh, cotton candy or like, oh, sweet Jack Sparrow. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I if I had a dollar for every time I said, oh, sweet Jack, Jack Sparrow. Sparrow. When I was trying to teach something, man, I'd, I wouldn't need this podcast if you know what I mean. Why is the rum gone? I made a I made a raft of human hair. From my back. Jack is Sparrow. any part of that in the movie? It is. Are you kidding me? Why is the rum gone? That's like the number one okay. quote. So Brian this is the thing, needs to go watch the thing Pirates that, of the Caribbean. This is the thing you may not know about me. I have only seen the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie <sighs> and I saw it in Italian with Italian subtitles. <laughs> it was in a middle school Italian what? class. What? Wait, yeah. Why? <laughs> He what? wanted it to be an immersive experience for us. So he picked a popular <laughs> movie and he got like a bootleg European DVD that like just had the movie in Italian. And he and we all like at first he was like, we're going to watch a movie. We we're like, yes, this is great. And then he was like, it's in Italian. And we were all like, we probably should have seen that coming. And then he was like with subtitles and we we're like, oh, good. So we'll still be able to read along. And we'll be able to get it. And he was like, no, no, the subtitles are in Italian. And I stopped taking Italian after that year. Okay, here's here's the thing. This is the first time we've ever done this on the show. I'm going to speak for Brian right now and I'm going to hold him to it. <laughs> Here we go. If enough people, I just want to see like how engaged our audience is. If enough people, I'm going to say 15 people. If 15 people go to our Instagram account, goodlion.io, and just message the word pirates to the account. I will make Brian watch the movie and then we will do a podcast about it. I'm in for that. Okay. Does it count if they only send the pirate emoji? Oh, it, it counts as two votes if they send the pirate emoji. Is there emoji. a pirate emoji? I'm pretty sure there is. If there is, there, there you should get, be. you get two votes. That's how the electoral college works. <laughs> 
If you're a pirate, your vote counts double. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Speaking of getting distracted, what were we talking about? Phones and distractions? We were talking about phones and getting distracted because you were talking about how it's like teaching a class in the middle of Disneyland. Yes. Oh, that was just it? (laughs) I was going to pass the ball to you there, but... (laughs) Well, sounds good. I'll take it. I was just trying to say, I feel like I need to get back to my practice of like taking walks with Jesus for, because that's, you know, getting unplugged from my phone and just walking through my neighborhood. I couldn't do that through the ice apocalypse. Everything was too frozen. So I haven't done it since. I was thinking about doing it after we're done recording. I need to go on a prayer walk, basically, is what I'm trying to say. That would be a good thing. Yeah, I mean... Clearly, we're not trying to say technology overall is bad. Aaron was just talking about a lot of his ministry has become online ministry. We're literally giving you a podcast right now. (laughs) So like we're clearly pro technology. The real danger, I think, is the Internet and particularly social media have a particular way of dispensing information. Everything is in bite-sized chunks. Everything is 140 characters or less. Every video is seven seconds and then it repeats. Like everything is short and quick and you get gratification immediately. The problem is that's not how the rest of life works. And particularly, that's not how time with Jesus works. Hmm. A lot of times it is deliberate and slow and it happens over a while a lot of times you can give yourself a half hour to pray and it doesn't start feeling cool until minute 25 that's just part of it sometimes and it's we need to get back to what is the way in which god wants to speak to us and if we choose to let our phones teach us here's how i should receive information when god doesn't line up with how our phone gives us things we start thinking something is broken with us and God. Yeah. And that's super dangerous. Yeah, it's super dangerous. And like, if I'm just being honest, the times during this whole election thing and and also during COVID, like the times that have been the most anxiety filled times for me have been the times where I've been on my phone. That's just the reality. Mm -hmm. It's been, I'm not saying like, just turn off your brain and don't be informed, but limit yourself. Like there, I remember literally, I think it was two days ago, I was lying in bed thinking I should go exercise or I should go for a walk and pray. And I just kept scrolling through Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. It was doom scrolling, like we've been saying. And mm-hmm. the worst thing in the world for me, I found, is reading stuff on my phone right before bed, especially stuff going on in the world, or reading it first thing and I wake up. I think it's like, mm-hmm. it needs to be, you can't, most people can't escape it these days, but it needs to be a slice of the pie and not the whole thing. And so... Yeah, I think I think, you know, don't let your phone be the thing that wakes you up. You know, 75 percent of us, we sleep next to our phones. Ninety percent of us check it immediately upon waking up. If we're just waking up and doom scrolling, we're going to get that anxiety. But if we wake up and center ourselves on Jesus, peace will come. I'm just I've, I've been confessing a lot this episode. I love Jesus. I'm all about the kingdom. I need to do better in this area. I need to start my day more with Jesus. And so I'm, I'm going to find a way to do that. I'm going to try to commit to a discipline. Brian's, Brian's usually the discipline guy. I'm more of the free-flowing, loose, eclectic guy. But I am feeling lately like I need to find some sort of morning rhythm. With, I, there's, a, there's actually a podcast devotional I listen to called Pray As You Go. That's just great. It's like a little bit of like light choral music, 
some scripture reading and then just like a brief reflection on that scripture. Like no one's preaching at you. It's just reflection. And it's kind of up to the Holy Spirit to guide you on where to go from there. But I used to listen to that in the mornings. I, I think I'm going to start that back up. Get up, put that on while I'm waking up around the house. It, it's so much better than the doom scrolling, I think. Yeah, I, I know that I've been in that same boat. Like I, I want to be the disciplined one, but I know that my discipline has been slipping and it is really easy for me to wake up and think I should learn about whatever I was interested in before <laughs> I went to sleep, you know? And right. so I... My phone is my alarm. I am one of that 75% that sleeps next to my phone. And so when you grab your alarm to turn it off, and it's also the device that can tell you anything you want to learn right now, it becomes really easy for me to feel like, oh, I'll check one thing. And then half of the time that I was ready to give to my Bible reading has just been spent scrolling and then I end up rushing my time of trying to actually meet with God and hear from God. And then I wonder why I don't feel satisfied in him for the rest of the day. Yep. Like it all comes back to if I had a morning that was less dictated by my phone and more determined by how can I make this a time that is conducive for meeting with Jesus. I think that by itself would make a huge difference in whether or not I feel ready to be a good representative of Jesus for the day. Yeah, absolutely. If I can jump back on the prayer thing just for a second, here's another C.S. Lewis quote. He says, relying on God has to begin all over again every day as if nothing had yet been done. What do you think of that? That's good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so true because it's easy to think my life is headed towards the direction of resting in Jesus. But if we're not doing it every day, like it's, it's crazy how quick we forget how faithful God is. And it's crazy how quick we get reshaped by other things. Yeah. I mean, and it's just like food. You skip a day eating, you'll be, you'll be bummed, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but time with God connection with Christ, it's like, we don't think we need it, but we recognize, oh man, do we recognize when our phones are running out of battery? Don't we? Mm -hmm. Have you ever done like the mad dash where you're like sitting on the couch, like, waiting and waiting and you don't want to get up and then it's at one percent and you're like if this dies i'm gonna to have to wait for it to come back on and that's gonna be annoying and then you're running to an outlet to try to find the plug-in is that just me i've never had to do that specifically but it's i have had lazy. the mental conversation of okay my phone is at like 20 percent so do I give up my phone now and let it charge in another room? Lech. Yeah. Or do I risk that it might die? <laughs> and then I get, then basically what ends up happening is I plug it into the charger for like 15 minutes and then I grab it and take it off and check on it. This is like great. 15 and then I plug it back in and then I go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and then it's nighttime and then I go to sleep. I, I love seeing the differences between us. So once again, you're a little <laughs> bit more disciplined, but that's okay. That's okay. That's why we work. The fourth way we want to encourage you to practically stay centered on Jesus is to meditate on Jesus. This is the most direct one. This is literally centering yourself on Jesus. Yeah. Now, when we when we throw out that word meditate, uh, we're not trying to throw out a more Eastern definition. A lot of Eastern religions, the way that we normally think of meditation is about calming yourself and about emptying your mind. What we're really advocating for here is about 
calming yourself, yes, but filling your mind with things of Jesus and things that are focused on Jesus. Hmm. I think every single human, whether they acknowledge it or not, is looking for meaning. I think the search for meaning is one of the ultimate quests of the human life and mind and experience. When we don't feel like our life has meaning, oftentimes we get depressed, we feel empty. I think Christ, Jesus, is the meaning of life. And I think that when we can tap into that, when we can center ourselves on that, like it really does change everything. It can make you go from feeling depressed and aimless and listless to being like, Jesus is everything and I have him. <laughs> like that's, that's amazing. When I, when I came up with this section in our outline, you know, my thought was, if I could just reemphasize my original thought, it's recentering on Jesus. What I mean by that is like the worst times in my Christian life are when I don't feel connected to the person and life and work of Jesus. Like, and an example of that would be, you know, if you're a Christian and you're, you know, at a church where for like the entire year, they're going through a sermon series about Leviticus and all the laws and Leviticus, and maybe the preaching isn't Christ-centered. So it's like you're in church learning good things, but are you connected to Christ and his mission? Are you connected to Jesus and like his person, his ethics, his teaching, his mission? That is the center of our faith. Like Jesus is the most compelling person out there. He's everything. Like the entire Bible points to him. All of scripture points to him. He is literally the point. So when you feel connected to Jesus, I can't stress this enough. When you feel connected to Jesus, life actually feels like it comes alive. And if you're at a church where like you're going through like a sermon series that's focused on Jesus, you know, that's, that's lucky, but that's not always the case. So it's like, you have to find other ways to connect yourself to Jesus and his person and his mission is, is am, I, I know I'm kind of going off right now. Does anything I'm saying make sense? Like, have you ever been Brian, a Christian going to church, doing Christian things, but you don't actually feel like you're focusing that much on Jesus himself? Absolutely. Yeah. I think our friends at Expositors Collective do a really good job talking about mm. this where yeah. a lot of preaching can be rule focused instead of Jesus focused. Yep. So there's a bunch of times where, You'll listen to a message and I was listening to an Expositors Collective episode. I forget which one it was, but they were talking about the idea of in preaching, you got to go a step beyond calling out a particular sin and you got to jump all the way to actually killing the sinner. <laughs> so a lot of, I'll, I'll explain that. It'll sound less violent in a moment. I think it was um, the episode Christ as Midwife and Hitman, I think was probably the name of I it. I think that's it. Yeah. Really good episode. <laughs> Highly recommend you title. listen to that. But as they were talking about that, they were saying that a lot of preaching will be like, hey, you're not good at organizing your time. You need to organize your time better. Yep. And we'll hear that and we'll say, that's a good point. I should organize my time better. Good but Christians that, organize their time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't actually bring you or connect you to Jesus. So what they were saying was, if you're going to make that point, you've got to jump to, and the reason you can't organize your time is because you're not able to organize your own life because <laughs> you're broken. Mm. But Jesus is the one that can fix the brokenness that leads you to do things that you don't want to do. He's mm. the solution to all of that. And wow. I, yeah. I just, I always think about the simple sentence. That's the taglines for the Bible project. I'm doing a lot of recommending right now. 
but they always say the Bible is one unified story that leads to Jesus. Yeah. If you're in a place in the Bible and you're not tracking the way that that place gets you to Jesus, then dig harder, find resources, because there are people that will help show you that. And that is everything. It's all about, like you're saying, Aaron, connection to Jesus. Yeah. Like, You have to understand, like, just put yourself in the picture of all of the Old Testament people. When you're reading the Old Testament, Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and on the prophets and all these guys, right? They are longing for something. They're like, they're groaning and longing for this deliverer, this person that's going to set them free from their sins and their problems and the oppression of the evil empires that are ruling over them, all of this stuff. When we get to the Gospels, it is like the culmination of everything that they have hoped for. And it's presented to you in this person where it's not just like, like imagine if the the solution was another 10 commandments and the tablet comes down and it's like the first 10 were great. But if you stick to these ones, then you'll really be doing good. That's not what God gave us. He didn't give us more commandments. He gave us a person, a person with like a, a personality and, and friendships with others and a heart and teachings that came directly from his mouth. And so that's why it's so important to steady Jesus, no matter where your sermon series is at church, no matter what is going on in the world, continue to steady Jesus because he is literally the point. He's, you know, the the Holy Grail at the end of uh, that Indiana Jones movie. It's like he is what people are looking for. And so I just really encourage every Christian, I can't stress this enough, find a way to reintroduce Jesus into your regular life. Like, Read a gospel, read a gospel on your own, find time in your month to just slowly and carefully read through a gospel and pray through it. And, you know, think about how did Jesus live and how did he interact with others and what was he focused on? What did he talk about? And then think about how you can imitate him, right? Or maybe read a book or listen to an audiobook specifically about Jesus. Right now I'm going through one by Max Lucado and also one by N.T. Wright that are just specifically about Jesus, you can watch that new series called The Chosen that depicts Jesus in this really beautiful way or listen to a podcast about Jesus or or go through a sermon series like Door of Hope back when Tim Mackey, before he started the Bible Project, and he was on staff with Josh White over in Door of Hope, Portland. They went through a Matthew sermon series that is so Christ-focused. It's, it's brilliant. So like just these are all different ways that you can recenter yourself on Christ, but this is my favorite thing on the list. That's why I'm so passionate about this. Like find a way uh, to recenter yourself on Christ. I'm admitting I haven't done that well lately. After this podcast, I'm going to try to hold myself to doing that well again. Yeah. And I think that this is the one most worth getting excited about because this is the one that most hits the core of the issue. Everything else that we've talked about is one way that you can work yourself towards this. Mm. But you can also end up doing all those other things and miss the point. So if you spend a bunch of time praying, but you don't focus on Jesus, show me your heart. Jesus, help me live like you. Jesus, what do you want to accomplish? Jesus, speak to me. Yeah. You know, you can just list all of the things that you want God to do and miss Jesus completely. You could read the Bible and kind of going back to the Devin question from early on of how do I find the thing that addresses my problem? If you go to the Bible and you think this just has to fix my problem, you miss the whole point of, I'm coming to this book because it's part of how I meet with Jesus. You know, we call ourselves Christians 
And that's all about just being followers of Jesus. But if that's what we're trying to be, then we better be focused on Jesus. A lot of times I feel like in our culture, what it means to be a Christian is to have the right beliefs about things, mm-hmm. which is important. Or to do the right things. To have the right beliefs and do the right things and be a good moral person. But that's not Christianity. That's uh moralistic therapeutic deism. If you don't know what that term is, Google it. Wow. You'll, you'll love it. I just got slapped with 2007 Mark Driscoll right here. <laughs> I got it from like uh, uh, Sky Jatani and like some of those other guys, but is that from Driscoll as well? I didn't know that Sky Jatani existed until like a year ago. He's great. We've been recommending He's so great. many I'm things. I'm not down. That wasn't like a backhanded, like <laughs> get that Sky Jatani stuff out of here. Like, like, I didn't even know he existed <laughs> until like a few years ago. I'm that de- does sound like a very Devin thing. I'm Devin. You've revealed the Devin in me. He was in all of us all along. If I can close this like section. Like Hallmark movie. I can close this section. I would just say, study Jesus, talk to Jesus, learn about Jesus, learn from Jesus, and walk with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Don't be Devin. <laughs> Don't be Devin. Okay. The last practical tip for staying centered on Jesus is find ways to serve other people. What do you think about this one? I think that this is so critical because this is the way that we actually see the solutions we're hoping for get accomplished. Mm. You know, when we think about the way that internet conversation is happening surrounding division and surrounding the election and all that kind of stuff, all of that focuses on how we divide. Whose side am I on? Who are my people? Who are the ones I agree with? And who are the ones I look down on? And it's really easy to get caught up in that when we focus on how can I just serve other people? And maybe that's a very churchy term. How can you help other people? How can you add value to other people's lives? How can you make somebody smile Hmm. through a good thing that you do? You know, put whatever term makes it as real world as possible for you. Because when we choose to serve other people, we get back to seeing them as people. We show them, hey, you're not just someone that has a different political sign than me. Therefore, you're my enemy. Like you're a human. Jesus loves you. And I love you too. Like we get back to seeing people the way God wants us to see them. That's good. Yeah, I fully agree. I will never stop recommending this. Like for me, my, my Christian life changed when I started serving Jesus intentionally, I was kind of a sad little kid. <laughs> Not uh, That makes it sound like I had a terrible childhood. I had a great childhood. My parents were awesome. My sisters were great. I just had a hard middle school and high school experience. I was not the most popular kid in school, was kind of insecure and down on myself and all that kind of stuff. And when I started volunteering in the youth group, and I was 16 when I started volunteering in the middle school ministry, so kind of young, but one of my mentors, Trevor O'Keefe, gave me a shot and it changed my life because I noticed like, man, all this stuff I'm going through, other people are going through the same stuff and actually worse. And when I love them and when I show them God's love and when I try to get my focus off myself and instead I'm trying to help someone else with their issues, there's this sense of fulfillment where it's like, this is what we're called to do. Like we, we read our Bible and we pray and in doing so we get filled up. But if we're not doing anything with it, we just get kind of bloated. And so it's like if we go and use the gifting, if we use what we've been given and we pour it out on others, it's this beautiful thing where we see the world flourish around us. It's like we're going back to that 
Adam, Adam and Eve calling, right, of being gardeners and we're planting seeds that God has given us and we're sowing seeds and watching him grow the fruit around us. And, you know, that's super cliche biblical stuff to say, but it's true. Like to me, it's not workaholism. It's not serving to get something. It's not serving with agenda, but we all have gifts and it feels really, really stinking good to use those gifts, whatever they are, not for ourselves, but for someone else. I also think it's worth recommending here. It's going to be really easy to find ways to serve people that agree with you. (laughs) It's going to be really easy to serve other church people. It's going to be really easy to serve people or come up with creative ideas to serve people that have the same political leanings as you or whatever. I would push you to Romans 12, 14, which says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Mm. You know, specifically in a moment where if somebody disagrees with you, you just kind of cut them out of your life forever. It seems, how can you focus on blessing people that don't agree with you? How can you find creative ways to serve someone that by worldly divides would count as your enemy. Because I think there's, there's nothing that more accurately reflects God's heart than loving and serving your enemies. That's really good. James says this, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes and a poor man in filthy old clothes comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing the fine clothes and say, Here's a good seat for you, bro. But you say to the poor man, hey, you go stand over there or hey, you can go sit on the ground by my feet. Have you not discriminated against yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? Here's why I'm bringing up uh, that verse. I think what you're tapping into is so true. It is so easy for us to love the people that we're used to and the people that we understand and the people we can sympathize with because it's like their problems are our problems. And so it's like, we want to fight for their problems because their problems are our our problems. It makes me think a lot about all of the issues regarding racial justice going on in the world right now. For me, I grew up in a mostly white community. It's really easy for me to do what I feel like a lot of Christians do, which is to just look at whatever the media and the pundits say about the problems in say the black community and just go, this isn't a problem I need to concern myself with. And for me, what I feel like I'm led to do is to actually learn. I feel like part of serving is learning. Like I want to learn about what their struggles are because if I don't, I'll never know. And I grew up not knowing their struggles because I didn't have those struggles. And so it'd be so easy to just ignore it. I feel like part of serving is learning about what people are going through and actually listening to their problems. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think the whole point of serving is showing someone you see their value the way that God sees their value. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's obviously easy. Like we've all figured out why us and our community should be seen as valuable. Right. It's obvious to us. Yeah, but we get caught up in those divides and we don't think about how that extends to different communities. And I think that there's such value in living in a way where you are not just focused on how can I make sure that my community is doing well, 
but you focus on how can I make sure that I am stretching beyond myself and I'm finding the people that are generally underserved and I'm making sure that they know that they're loved and they, through the way that I interact with them, can see that God sees their dignity. Mm, That's really, really good. You know, something that comes to my mind is like, I feel like when it comes to serving, a lot of times it can feel like I'm just one person. What can I actually do? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. how can I actually make a difference? I'm just one person. So a lot of people don't serve because they feel like they wouldn't even be a drop in the bucket. And you think like, oh, there's people who are way better at this specific way to serve God and they're they're doing it. So why should I do it? But like, I just want to point people back to the reality where the body of Christ and the body works together. Like think of if someone's lying on the ground, bleeding out to reach that person, the brain has to send the message to the rest of the body. The feet have to walk over, the knees have to bend, you know, the arms have to scoop down and, and the fingers have to wrap around that person and lift them up. There's There's muscles that are working together to make this happen. If any one of those things decides to not do it, then the work won't be done. You can't just be like, oh, I, you know, I'm a knee, but like, whatever, the fingers have got this. Like, that's not how it works. (laughs) But when we all work together and we each do our own thing, like a knee bending doesn't seem like that big a deal. But when the knee bending is serving to pick up the man bleeding out on the ground, it's like you realize you're, you're part of something bigger than yourself. So what I'm just trying to say is if all of us do our part, no matter how small we think it is, we're working together to do the work of the kingdom. The other day when I recorded the message that I did, you know me, Brian, I've talked to you about this many times, but I tend to like self-doubt everything I do. You had already done an episode and I just thought like, I don't know if we need another one. I don't know if this is going to be helpful to people. Like it might just be me rambling heresy and frustration about the world. But I felt like God was calling me to do it. And even though I self-doubted it, I ended up doing it. And I've heard back from people that it's blessed them. And that happens to me over and over again. Like doubting, like, should I even do anything? Yeah, I would much rather just stay in bed today or, or just, you know, watch TV and not serve God in the way I feel called to serve. But whenever I do overcome that, like I, I see the fruit from it and I feel this closeness to God where it's like, it's not even like God is this distant master off in the distance that I'm serving. Whenever I obey God and serve, it feels like he was already doing something. And then I went out and decided to do it with him. And that just is the best feeling in the world. You know, that's what it's all about. It's not. I serve to try to bring my vision of the kingdom about it's God is in the process of Mm. building and establishing his kingdom. And like a dad with small kids painting a room, Mm. he wants to set up a corner where we can paint with him. And yeah, could he do it better without us? Sure. But he's not looking for what's the quickest way for me to establish my kingdom. It's I want to build this thing and I want my kids to be part of it. Mm. So when we think about it in instead of I need to compete with how others are serving, when we just focus on I get to be with my dad <laughs> and I get to be part of his project, that becomes such a new way, uh, such a freeing way mm. of thinking about serving. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, man. I think as we close this episode, we just want to remind you guys, let's go through them. What are Aaron and Brian's practical tips for staying centered on Jesus? One, read your Bible. Two, pray and pray out loud, maybe for a sustained period of time. 
limit your screen time, meditate on Jesus, recenter yourself on Jesus, and find ways to serve other people. That's our encouragement to you. And we hope it's been super helpful. And we hope that these aren't just another five things that you feel you need to do. (laughs) This is all about reconnection. This isn't about do these five things and then Jesus will love you more. Remember what the actual goal of these things is. God wants to live life with us. He wants to walk with us through crazy anxious moments These are just five pathways we have to living the kind of life with God he's always wanted for us. Jesus Mm. wants us to have these things. These are ways that we learn to better enjoy Jesus. Yeah, so good. So good. The end. Say goodbye, Devin. Bye. You guys are ruining my life. Thanks, Devin. I like the podcast. You did great, Devin. I'm Devin. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Good Line Podcast. I'm Aaron Salvato. And I'm Brian Higgins. And I'm Devin. I think Devin's going to help us with the outro. He has a few more things to say. Listen, this podcast is good. If you like podcasts, then subscribe. What are you What are you even waiting for? Gosh. And maybe like leave a review, you know, because like it helps people discover the podcast. And that's a good thing i hope you'd agree i know i do i'm devin devin that's a really good understanding of the itunes algorithms he is right if you leave reviews it does help people find us my dad used to work in the tech industry in silicon valley so you know i I had a pool (laughs) (laughs) i'm so happy that's the joke you picked as if only Silicon Valley people have pools. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Devin. Brian, did we get any reviews lately? We did. We have two new reviews. I'm holding up two fingers, but you can't see them. We have one review from Youthmin412. So this is 412 people that work in youth ministry. The review is titled, Love It! Exclamation point. I love listening to Aaron and Brian on this podcast. It's so thought-provoking and Jesus-centered. And he hasn't even listened to this episode yet. That's cool. And it's done in such an honest, calm, and respectful way. Wow, he's going to really love that we brought Devin into this podcast. I'm pretty respectful. I I would... I feel like Devin disagree, Devin. I feel like his voice keeps changing. It's almost like I can't remember what his voice you was before. You don't remember before. exactly how Devin works. I'm going. My body's changing. Okay, deal with it. I, I will. Thanks, Devin. We also have. You're, you're welcome. Uh, see, that was very calm and respectful. Good on you. We've been working on my mirrors. Re- oh, okay. That that surprised me. Actually, I got slightly startled. Um, we also have another review from Gma Nini. Gma Nene, Gma Nene. How would you pronounce Gma space N E E N E E? Both ends are capital. I am assuming this listener is a grandmother, and she goes by Grandma Nene. Aww. Well, Grandma Nene, thank you for saying this is a must-have subscription. Look forward to new content and listen to previous episodes quite often. So much encouragement in a fun, transparent, relatable way. After listening, I'm not only encouraged, but challenged in desiring a closer walk with Jesus. Thanks, Aaron and Brian, for the labor of love you put into sharing God's message. Thank Aww. you, Grandma Nini. Aww, thanks, you Grandma are Nini. The, you're the unofficial grandma of this show yes. now. Yes. 
Grandma Nini. She's be all of our grandmas. grandma. I never had a grandma. Wait, Devin, you mean how? Your mom never had a mom? I don't understand it, okay? It's just it's just the facts. Okay. Did we just reveal that Devin's an orphan on in the middle of the show? <laughs> what complicated backstory for Devin. Yeah. <laughs> I get his lashing out so much more. I had a grandpa, I had a great uncle, but no grandma. Okay? Don't ask me to explain it. It's just what my dad told me. All right? I'm Devin. It's just science. We know who you are, man. <laughs> we, we got that part figured out. It's just sometimes I don't feel seen, you know? Because this is an audio format and not visual. So I don't feel seen at all to me. <laughs> that makes sense. But if you want like to be Devin seen. I Devin just broke. Yeah, Devin is just falling <laughs> apart. If you want to be seen on this podcast, there's a few ways you could do it. You could leave a review and we will read it live, although none of this is actually live, but I had not read any of those reviews before I started reading them into this microphone. So someone it's kind of live. Someone needs to do some fan art of Devin. We don't have any fan art yet, but if, if you're listening and you're an artist, draw us what you think Devin would look like based on how he sounds. Yeah. You know, do a little sketch. Okay. Devin. Yeah. That's a way for you to be seen. You can also leave us questions because we like doing questions because we we try to think, what is it that you want to hear? But you know, you could also just tell us. Communication goes both ways, guys. We've done a lot of talking and you've done very little. So why don't you pull your weight a little bit and email your questions to goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. So I actually, this week, I just set up for our podcast and actually all the uh, podcasts on the Good Lion Network, their own web pages. So we have a page. It's goodlion.io slash GLP for Good Lion Podcast. Go to that page. I'm going to put a button on it that says submit questions. And it'll be a place where people from now on can go and drop in questions for the show and vote on which questions they want us to answer. And we'll use that as our reference for how to answer questions. The, the questions will all be anonymous. So you don't have to sign your name on your super embarrassing question about where babies come from. But that's, we'll that's what I was wondering about. Devin, I'm gonna let you aren't, you like, that one, Aaron. aren't you like 16, bro? Yeah, but like... He didn't have a grandma, okay? We all I know that I it's the grandma's grandma. job to explain that. Everyone knows that it's the grandma's job to explain where babies come from. Yeah. I don't know if that's true, Devin, but okay. All right. Thanks I'm, for, I'm with Devin on that one. <laughs> thanks for listening to the show. We love you guys. This is a labor of love. We do love you. If you've listened to this super long outro, you are a true fan. We are part of the Good Lion Podcast Network and Calvary Global Network. Go to our website, goodlion.io, for more great Christian content. Thank you for listening. We hope it made you think. We hope it made you laugh. If it didn't, I don't even know what I'm doing here. If yeah. you like what we're doing and you want to support us, you can go to goodlion.io slash support. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys on the next one. Everyone say bye. 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 I'm Devin. <laughs> I'm definitely going to end that episode on just, I'm Devin. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's definitely the ending. <laughs> okay.